Merry Christmas, everyone. We are so excited to see you. Uh, please come on in, get comfortable, get settled in, pour yourself a cup of coffee, uh, get comfortable because we have an amazing hour planned. Uh, we are super excited. We have three incredible couples joining us today. Would you like to do the honors of introducing these lovely people? Absolutely. So thank you so much, uh, Micah and Kayla coming to us, I believe from Colorado, but they do move quite a bit. So we never know exactly where they might be. So don't try and pin them down. Uh, Keith and Sarah, welcome uh, coming to us from Houston, I believe uh, in the great free state of Texas, very, very kin to the free state of Florida. Um, and then Troy and Tracy, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, they are from uh, a little bit north of here up in Northeast Florida. And so it is so wonderful to see you. Thank you uh, all four couples for choosing to join. And of course, my lovely wife, Christina, is with us. Thank you, honey, and happy holidays to you too. And so if you're panicking coming in and seeing all these screens on and thinking, oh my goodness, I thought this was a webinar and it wasn't gonna be recorded. Relax, your camera's not on, your mic's not on. We've just invited these three lovely couples to come join us today too, because they have a wealth of knowledge and experience and uh, it, they're, they're just beautiful. We actually all met uh, together uh, and did uh, Stronger Together, which is a fantastic series that addresses intimacy and anorexia, which we'll be talking about later. And these couples were just phenomenal in stepping up and leading and, and then moving forward and helping couples uh, following going through this course. And so we're super excited to have them here. But I wanna see who's joining us in the audience today. So I wanna let you know the chat is open and please just sign in and let us know first names. It's not gonna show up on the recording. This is a recorded event, but your chat is not recorded recorded and shared. And so just open up those chats and, and let us know where y'all are calling in from um, and joining us. We always love to see uh, our, our new people and, and uh, our old friends as well, so. Awesome, I'm, I'm already starting to see Wisconsin. I see Branson, I have to assume that's Branson, Missouri. That's the only one I know of. I'm sure there's other Bransons out there. Forgive me for all the lesser Bransons that might be offended in advance. And so thank you guys all so much for joining. I know folks are, are funneling in already. I bet we have folks here from Belgium. We'll probably wait and see on that. Maryland, I think that's a whole different country. Philadelphia is even north of Maryland. I think that's somewhere up near Canada or something. Um, I know it's freezing up there. And so uh, thank you all for joining. Uh, it is not freezing here in Florida. But team, I just want to anchor our conversation today really around what we find in John 13, 34. And this is kind of underneath that whole umbrella of the new commandment. And I see some of our our members of the uh, the panel here, I think they're they're trying to to hunt it down as we speak. They're opening up, they're 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 putting the pages of their Bible over to it, getting to the right book, getting the right app up, powering it up, whatever that looks like for you. Uh, my old Southern Baptist minister used to call it the rustling of pages. I just love to hear that whisper of pages as people turn their Bibles. Well, it's a little bit different now. So, so John thirteen thirty four really has Christ imbue us you know, through his disciples, where he says. I need you to love each other the same way that I've loved you. And that, that's the Northeast Florida you know, version of it. So forgive me, that's not the kid's crayon Bible or the teen action Bible or anything. That's just a straightforward Bible. And so what did that mean? You know, the, the way that I loved you first is the way I need you to love other people. And I like to call that big L love. That's that unapologetic, um, unassuming love that, that Christ gives us, not expecting an ounce in return. And that's where I think that we kind of miss it around the holidays sometimes as we start to search for that intimacy with each other. Yeah, I think we get wrapped up in, well, I don't feel the love. I don't, and, and we have gone through this as well before we went through our storm. And since we've gone through our storm and since recovery, um, we've, we both have experienced, well, I just don't, I mean, I don't, just don't like you right now. Uh, and, and love is, we, we use it as a feeling, but that scripture that you just quoted, Lamar, love there is a verb, it's an action. And so when I stop feeling love towards Lamar, maybe if he is acting and doing the things he's supposed to and living righteously, but I still don't feel the love, maybe it's something on my heart. Maybe I have stopped making love a verb in our marriage. Maybe I have stopped pouring into him. So the anecdote is make love a verb. And, and it is truly, what does it look like to pour yourself 
into loving your spouse. And this can be extremely tricky considering I respect the audience we have. There's been betrayal. Everyone here has experienced some sort of betrayal. So especially if you're a betrayed wife, that's very hard on the holidays to say, what, what do you mean? The antidote to feel love is for me to actually do nice things for my spouse? Yes, because that's what Jesus did for you. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're diving in, we're jumping right in, we're going deep. So I'm going to open up the first question and uh, let's hear from our lovely panelists. Yep. Before we uh, go, go to the question, I want to encourage our group members out there. Uh, the best way to get your answer or your, yeah, your, your question answered would be to pop it in the Q&A, the question and answer section down at the bottom of your screen. We may not get to everything in chat, but we will see the questions and the answers. So. All right. Our first question. You want to read it? Okay, this is a, this is a big one here. <laughs> We're going to talk about an example or a short story of a holiday fallout that really hurt the us. And when we say the us, that means the togetherness, you know, the couple. And some people say, well, what's the us? Well, you know what it is when you ain't got it. And so just take the converse of that. And, and, and that's, that's the us. When you know when you're separated, you know, when, when, the, when the lady says, I'm fine, and the gentleman thinks, well, she's saying she's fine, but it's pretty clear she ain't fine. So I'm just going to pretend like she's fine because it's just easier that way. And all the guys went, yeah, I've done that before. Absolutely. And this is one where we can we can get the ball rolling with our panelists here, because uh, like I started to share before, we almost didn't do this webinar, y'all, because over Thanksgiving, we dropped the ball in a big way, in a huge way. And we're the ones teaching this and we still drop the ball. And it was the first, uh, just share with you a little bit about what happened. It was the first Thanksgiving, not just with one of our sons missing, but with three of our sons missing. And there was a hole in both of our hearts. Lamar's way of filling that hole was to stay busy and to cook, 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 cook. <laughs> My way was to sit back and I, I just, I wanted, I felt the hole and I wanted connection. And Lamar didn't need that connection. And I had an expectation and uh, there's there's something beautiful that we learned just um, just this week that disappointment is what takes root between expectation and reality, and that disappoint or that that disappointment took root and it turned to bitterness in my heart. And so for uh, the longest season, I was just irritated with everything Lamar did. He could not win, even though he was doing kind things. Just everything irritated and provoked me. And it wasn't until we had our meeting last Friday and got to meet with Sarah here and some other lovely ladies where God downloaded and showed me um, that it was my heart, not Lamar's, that was the problem. And it turned everything around. So did uh, panel, do any other of you um, have an example of something that has happened on the holidays um, that you look back and you're like, oh boy. And, and, and to anchor there, how did you get it back? How did you get the us back? Hmm. I'll jump in, I don't know that, I recall the specifics of that at one moment, but you know, as most of us can relate to, we have we have our challenges with the in-laws, right? Because we have different traditions and different ideas of what the holidays are and what the family is meant to be. And and that was a long many years of of trying to balance that out. Um, and my mom has is a messianic Jew, and so she has her own ideas and traditions that she does and doesn't want to participate in. And we love them all, but how do you balance it? And how do you not take offense when one or the other side says no or yes to something? Um, and this was, you know, pre and post betrayal. So it was something that kind of carried on through the years because you never really know what you're walking into. Um, and, and how you get it back is, is is continual conversation and compromise. And it's compromise on both sides where at a certain point you, you bite your lip and you say, I'm going to go experience whatever it is they say they're doing, even though I don't understand it, don't appreciate it, don't don't feel it. Right. Because we don't feel anything until we do it. We always want to feel it first and feel excited about it and feel welcome. I don't feel much until I'm doing something. So for me, I had to just say, I'm going to put aside what I'm used to and what I like and, and, and walk in, in what her side is doing and in what she's used to doing. Because that, that also translated to when it was just us and not with the in-laws or, or with any of the parents. How are we going to celebrate our holidays and how are we going to carry that on? <laughs> I, I, I love that. I, I want the feeling first before I actually do what I'm supposed to do. And so what, what a great takeaway. What, what a great action step 
to say, you know, I, I'm going to act out of obedience first. And, and it really lines right up with John 13, 34. You know, the way I loved you is the way I want you to love other people. He loved us first. As a matter of fact, he loved us in spite of what we did. So uh, let, let me encourage you I mean, in that one, Micah. I, I, I'm totally with you. Sometimes it's just, okay, I, I don't feel like being obedient. I don't feel like you know, doing this, but I'm going to, I'm going to do this out of respect for what Christ did for me. And because I love my wife. So. That's fantastic. I, I love that as well. And it, all of us are at different seasons of recovery and our stories are all a little bit different. So I think we should back up a little bit and talk about what was that first holiday like that you experienced? Um, so Troy and Tracy, yeah, you were sharing with us that your story actually started before you were married, um, that you had your first Christmas together. Yeah, so um, I guess it was about four years ago. Um, we had been dating for a while, and I was uh, planning to propose to Tracy uh, in in November and um, had bought the engagement ring and everything. And for reasons that I can't really explain other than to say I'm just selfish and a black-hearted sinner, I betrayed her. And um, and so our first Christmas should have been spent uh, celebrating with our families and engagement, uh, but instead we were not together and our families were not celebrating, uh, the, our families were not together at all. And um, and so it was a really difficult uh, Christmas for us. Um, and and Tracy uh, even was trying to be kind to my family, and it really kind of blew up on her. You can you can mm -hmm. share more about that if you want. Yeah. So it had been probably just about five weeks, and obviously Troy and I were taking some time apart, but communicating. And my family came in, and they did an intervention. And they sat me down and said, we want you to have no communication with him. You're not allowed to talk to him. You're not allowed to go over and drop off presents to his family, to his kids, nothing. And so, you know, um, of course, I rebelled because that's just a little bit about my personality. When you tell me I can't do something, I'm probably going to do just the opposite. Um, but I would, you know, I share that with those who are here today and their families are not happy. Some of your families may know what's happened. Some of your families may not. Um, some of your families may be supportive and encouraging and helping you. Uh, whereas my family, it was very difficult. Um, but I just want to give you hope because here we are four years later. Uh, we just got married three months ago. and. Our, it was still tough. It was still tough to tell our family, like, we're getting married. And God has done an amazing work in the last three months. Um, he has restored my family. My family is now supporting of us. Um, so I ask that you be patient. Um, the holidays are very triggering for me in this, like, that intervention was very traumatic for me. But I know as time has moved on, um, there is healing and there's restoration. So I just want to give you hope for those of you who are out there and you're struggling with that, that um, you're going to have to give it some time for your families to see the difference. And that's what I learned. They had to see, I saw the difference in him because I was connected to him. They didn't see the difference because they were out of state and, you know, only heard from me. It just took them time to spend time with him to see that he's a different man today. And and Tracy, what were what are some of those safeguards that you two have put in place for this first Christmas that you have as husband and wife, knowing that this is a triggering season? What are you guys doing to to arm yourself for this? Yeah. We just talked about this last night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one thing for sure is we're trying to be very, very intentional mm -hmm. um, and really trying to protect, you know, the us. Um, and so we've tried to schedule dates, for example, and, you know, really put it on the calendar, like making sure that we're having a date once a week. Um, it's been hard, honestly, especially we've had a lot going on. We've had weddings, we've had, you know, other uh, events with our kids, and uh, it's been easy to let those date nights slip, but we're trying to be super intentional about getting our calendars out together and finding a day of the week. It may not be Friday or Saturday, but if it's if we can't do it then, then we'll do it during the week. 
but find a day that we can go out on a date, just the two of us. Um, another thing that we do that we, I guess I first learned about it in Warpath, but we didn't really implement it until we did Stronger Together mm -hmm. is we do the three dailies and we religiously try to do that mm -hmm. every day um, and just share a, um, you know, an affirmation of each other. Um, we pray for each other and we share how we're feeling with each other. And we are very, very intentional about that. And then the other thing that I thought about is I'm trying to be very aware of Tracy and the, th the things that would trigger her. Um, I try to avoid them for her, but um, just to acknowledge them when they come up and, and um, acknowledge my role in those things uh, and affirm that, you know, I'm the reason for them um, because she wouldn't be that way if it weren't for me. So that's, that's what I try to do. Fantastic. And I'd love to hear from the other couples as well. Do you guys have, um, you know, what was it like your first uh, Christmas following betrayal? What was that like? And how does it compare to now? And um, I see Kayla nodding. You look like you have something you want to say, Kayla. Well, um, well, our Christmas following the betrayal, um, that was the hardest one. Because we had gone through the betrayal we had made the commitment hey we're going to work through this but there's still consequences from what has happened from the betrayal and one was um the lady that he was having an affair with was pregnant so she ended up having a baby at the end of november and here we're going into the christmas season and stuff so it was really really difficult that year and dealing with everything and trying just to figure it all out and like, you know, all those emotions and just everything, you know, I mean, we're 21 years now. So, I mean, I just remember just kind of shutting down and shutting off because I always loved Christmas. I always loved the family aspect, but what does that mean now? You know, so there was a lot there. Um, but, you know, with God's grace, we got through it and now we're where we are now, you know, and I still love Christmas and I still, you know, but God has restored all of that. Yeah, and, and to qualify that a little bit, it wasn't just that there was this other baby being born, but Kayla had made the commitment that that was also her daughter. Yeah. And so we were we were navigating this path of how do we incorporate a second illegitimate, not supposed to exist family into our life? Yeah at the same time you know and, and you guys are all you all know the biology we're talking about a nine month span of hey this is what's been going on to this is what we have to deal with so there and, and that's not our timetable we're set we're not confined to this is how much time we have to deal with this and uh so yeah so you lump it all in there um and and there's a lot of grace there's moments where you just have to walk you know it, it's surreal you don't know what you're feeling it doesn't make sense um so you, you can't look at the present you can't think about how do I get through this? You think about what's this going to be like in five years, 10 years, 15 years, because, right. you know, in, in our case, this was a, this was a lifelong decision. It is for all of us, obviously, but, but these were consequences that you don't get to, you don't get to just move forward from. You know? right. Yeah. And, and Kayla, what, what did Micah do to help you? Because I can only imagine how hard that first Christmas was and uh, with Christmases to come, what things, if, because there's probably men here that have really hurt their wives and their wives are struggling this Christmas. Was there anything that Micah did that helped you that you might be able to, to uh, encourage the men to do? I think the biggest thing was just those reassurances that like he was there, like he was walking with me through it. I wasn't walking through it by myself. And so that was the difference. Like we were actually now together we were doing this together and so I wasn't having to deal with it by myself we were making decisions together and um so that was like the biggest thing now don't get me wrong like there's still issues throughout because you still are going through the healing and it I mean it was so fresh and this was such a long time ago so it's kind of like I'm trying to like really think about like what it was and you know and I'm the type of person that I just shut off i would rather just make myself busy or just go into a room and shut the door and not deal with things so um you know but he was there with me you know okay how are we handle this you know what about this you know and so we were doing it together so i think that made a big difference um and just you know walking it out you know together yeah yeah the picture yeah, of, yeah go ahead micah 
I was just going to say, honestly, I don't think I did anything to help the first year. If, <laughs> if I look back because, because I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. You know, every, every step you take is, is probably thin ice and you're probably going to fall through. So, I, you know, in, in that, in that image, I'm trying to stay close to the shoreline because I'm going to fall through every time I take a step. Mm -hmm. um, so if, if I did anything, it was that I kept taking steps. Right. You know, I would, I would share something or present something or, you know, again, newborn baby, it's Christmas, my daughter, our daughter, got to get her Christmas presents. How do I, how do, how do we navigate something as simple as that? Yeah. Um, and, and so it was, you know, walking trepidatiously with, here's what I'm thinking. Hey, do you want to, would you like to be a part of what, and, and getting exactly what you would respect, expect in return most of the time, but still taking those steps because I knew that I couldn't shut it off and I knew I couldn't shut her out of it. Right. Well, the other aspect too is all of a sudden now, instead of it just being us two, there's a third individual that now is making decisions with us. Right. So all of a sudden the covenant that we have between each other, we're having to allow somebody else to come in and make a decision over one of our child that's not really my child. So it was very hard for me to maneuver that, that I really honestly had no say in it. So that was very difficult. Thank, thank you both for sharing. Uh Keith and Sarah, I saw y'all had uh, unmuted a second ago. Um, anything to add here on this one? Um, otherwise, I've got a question that's very pointed in your direction. <laughs> so, anything to add about your first uh, first holiday? No, no. I, I think you know uh, our my stuff came out in February, uh, so we had a little time in between the holiday. You know, I wouldn't say things were great the first Christmas, but we had kind of already started in that direction so if you want to jump to your, your question though. Yeah. yeah he's got a, he's got a great one here i do want to just add one thing because we had a little something different with ours and this might help people relate a bit um we were very fresh and lamar had just moved home and so it was all new i mean i didn't even know everything we haven't even had a disclosure all i knew was the, was the one woman he had had an affair with who had been murdered that's all i knew and he was home and i had to pretend to be on my best behavior i i wasn't in a place yet where i i could face my own recovery i had to be all smile i felt like i had to be all smiles um i had to be loving i had to be welcoming him home because if i didn't then he might stray or he might leave or he might go act out and so i just put on a whole bunch of pretenses that year i think i was numb in fact it was really difficult even remembering that first year and I'm sure many women might be able to relate to that. I can assure you that first year is the hardest, but the next year was absolutely incredible because we had then spent a year of recovery. Kind of Keith, like you were saying, yours happened in February. By December, you were in a different place. We were in a very different place come the second year. And so um, I, I did want to share that, that if this is brand new to you, the betrayal, yes, it's hurt. And it might just feel like you're going through the motions and you're just trying to survive. But I can assure you, this is not the picture of what every year is going to look like for you. It is truly just a season. For the men, just one key step you could take is just take responsibility. Had you not done what you did, it doesn't matter what happened since then, um, she wouldn't feel that way. And so when you can own it like that, I, I think it just, it, it can change everything. And so for, this is a, a, a question for Keith and for Sarah. Um, one thing that we talked about a little bit earlier was intimacy anorexia and how it can just, you know, it, it can choke the connection between us. Um, can, can you explain what that is? Just for some people might not know, that might be a new term for them. Sure, sure. So with intimacy anorexia, basically it comes down to you're just withholding love from your spouse, your mate. And that, that can be uh, where it chokes out emotional intimacy, spiritual intimacy, or physical intimacy. Um, and so most people equate intimacy to sex. Um, I, I think that's kind of the culmination of it. Uh, you're not going to have great physical intimacy and godly physical intimacy, godly sex, until you really can, can get it squared away spiritually and emotionally together. And so for, for Keith and Sarah, what did you learn about intimacy anorexia and yourself you know, regarding the holidays? Uh, and what safeguards do you all think are, need to be in place um, so you don't actively withhold love from each other? First. Yeah, I'll, I'll go first on that. You know, because I'm I'm the I'm the anorexic intimacy anorexic in our relationship, and I think for me this is kind of like a, a top tier issue. You can say, well, you know, the pornography or or different things, or, or you know, that's the traumatic event. But 
for me, getting to the root cause of what was causing the other things and, and coming to the realization that intimacy anorexia was something that I brought to the relationship, something that existed even before, I, you know, we got married when I was 20. Uh, but my family of origin, you know, and, and I don't say this to say, well, I didn't know. I mean, because to Lamar's point, you have to own it. Whether, you know, ignorance of the law is no excuse, you know, ignorance of your deprivation or your, your issues, you know, that, that's not a free pass. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't really understand what was going on. You have to own that part of it. And, and for me, the journey of realizing that I brought this in and that, you know, it wasn't a matter of one Christmas at the point that I started dealing with this now. You know, it was 27 Christmases that I acted as I withheld, basically. And for me, you know, the holidays and just, you know, talking about safeguards and things, the holidays are almost a haven for intimacy anorexics because there's so much stuff you can hide behind. There's family, there's different activities, there's obligations. And so you can just turn off the switch and live this other life and, Oh, I didn't mean that. And, you know, Mazel Tov, or, you know, <laughs> and just kind of blow it off. Uh, so, so for me, uh, you know, it's uh, our Christmases after the event, we're actually getting, I feel for me anyway, we're getting better because I had changed something that had been forever in my past. So when I'm then starting to lean in and search for connectivity, do things that bring connectivity and not just be present because presence isn't connection. Presence isn't intimacy. It's a, it's a hard issue. It's not that you're sleeping in the same bed. It's not that you're in the same house. It's, is your heart, you know, can, can your heart trust safely in her and can hers trust safely in you? And I would say too, for me, it was a real kind of like what we talked about on Friday, Christina, it was a real, what is truth and what is lies. Because once you're, you know, it doesn't matter the degree or level of betrayal. Betrayal is betrayal and it affects your brain, your body, your, your, your whole soul. It affects it completely. And, um, you know, when Keith says that uh, his came out in February, well, it came out in February of one year, then there were relapses, then it came out again in 2019. And that Christmas, I didn't even deal with it. Uh, I just kept on moving and didn't really deal with it until I came out to a filming at Soul Refiner and hooked up with Christina and began to say, hey, I'm having these body trauma effects because I didn't deal with it. And, um, oh, hard time hearing, I'll scoot up. Uh, and so uh, for me, what I began to do, which was so dangerous, is I just like reached this point where I thought, okay, I did, I, I was giving the first time I was forgiving this round. I was forgiving this round and um, bam, I'm done. You know, I thought we were on the same team, but uh, you're shooting me in the hole, you know, like we're down here together. I think we're fighting this together and you're shooting me. And so I stopped forgiving and I started believing lies. And that's the thing that I've realized over the especially going into the holidays. I'm not going to cover up what I'm feeling. I'm not going to cover up and act out lies uh, on my end and say, well, his betrayal caused this. Well, his betrayal this. Well, his betrayal that. Well, his intimacy anorexic, you know, let me show you what it feels like now. I've got to start walking in true forgiveness. And true forgiveness is I don't have to feel it. If he's doing and saying, I'm engaged, I'm going to work on this, and he's doing what he's supposed to, I've got to step back and say, Holy Spirit, show me the truth from a lie in every situation. And one of the things that has really helped me is I don't care if I feel it. I'm going to grab the word of God and I'm going to speak it over myself and I'm going to create, recreate the places in my brain because Keith has physically laid hands on me and husbands do this. Healing comes in all forms. And he has laid hands on me at night and prayed over the limbic system of my brain as we begin to learn how that all functions. And so um, even last night, I was very tired. I had been on the road all day uh, dealing with some legal family issues that I was helping my father with and different things. And I drove back in, got home and the scripture, wives be subject to your husbands. I subordinate, I adapt myself to him 
as is right and fitting in my proper duty in the Lord. I just began to quote that over myself. Keith loves me. He's affectionate and sympathetic to me. He's not harsh or bitter or resentful toward me. And I just spoke that over myself before I went to bed because I wasn't feeling any love for him. I was ragged. And, and I woke up this morning and I had those scriptures still going in my mind. I had those scriptures and the enemy attacked my mind this morning. And I, you know, I told Keith what I was, what I was feeling, what I was thinking. And I put it out there. I said, this is what I feel, but I'm putting it out there for your correction. And I think that's really important is to go back to the word of God when the spouse is even taking a step. So, yeah. And, and that's the key part there, Sarah, because uh, there are people here where the spouse isn't committed yet to recovery and they're still acting out and they have one foot in their home and one foot in their, you know, in their addiction or their sin. Uh, that's a different story altogether. But I'm with you, Sarah, when you see your husband committed, uh, there, it's a journey. It's a process for the wife to be able to let go of his recovery and to realize that um, God could be working on something in you. I see it so common that if the man is the intimacy anorexic, he is the one that actively withheld love, which is pretty much every case of betrayal. He did not love the spouse the way he was supposed to. Oftentimes the woman becomes intimacy anorexic because she is hurt. And so then she's on guard and she's scared to give her heart to him again. And she's scared to trust him again. And she's scared to have sex with him again um, because you don't wanna be vulnerable. You don't wanna put yourself in that position where you can be hurt again. Uh, and that is if you are committed to the marriage, you're saying you are all in, your husband has proved himself safe worthy, then that is the ultimate goal is to trust him again. And that is the that is like what you're saying, praying the word over God to um, to to heal your heart and your brokenness in yeah. that. Mm -hmm. I I want to call out in a, in a just a a glowing way the tool that you use there, and and it's such a straightforward tool to acknowledge and validate your feelings and say this is what my emotion is telling me right now. Okay. And when I say acknowledge it, yep, it's there. Validating does not mean that you necessarily agree with it. It's saying I, I see how we got here. And then putting the truth of the of the word of Christ behind it. Yes. And whenever you you did that affirmation uh, writing, and then the next morning you found yourself, okay, this is what I'm. This is where Christ would have me to go. It just changes everything. You don't have to worry about am I going to continue to feel this way because now you're saying, Lord, over to you. This is how I felt, but you say this about me, and you say this about my marriage. And, and I think that could change everything. Keith, I'm so sorry I interrupted you. You're getting ready to say something. I'm sure extremely, extremely bright. <laughs> no, I was, I was just going to say one of the things, too, that I, I have to recognize. And, you know, we, we did that Stronger Together uh, series. And, you know, Dr. Weiss brings out something so it was marriage changing for me is that, you know, my vows, my commitment. What is my commitment? Is my commitment to be in the house is my commitment to be a father and provide for the family or, you know, I did those things, but then there's this whole other list of things that I got up there and I, I committed to as a husband to cherish my wife, to honor her, to not forsake her, not just not forsake her in, uh, you know, sleeping with somebody, but to forsake her with my eyes, my heart, my attention. And uh, just, you know, for me going through the holidays, that's a, that's a centering point, right? Is, you know, if you just go back to what were your vows, that's a good place to start in keeping your focus off of hiding and leaning in. Amen. So I, I want to stay with, with kind of the men's perspective right here really quickly. And we're going to come back to the ladies. So don't, don't think that all the ladies here can, can just check out, um, not just the ones on the panel, but also in the audience. So, uh, for the men here, you know, what advice do you have for all the all the folks in our audience, all the specifically the fellows in the audience for this holiday season? And, and looking back, what would you have done differently as you try and help your 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 wounded wife through the holidays? Or what did you do where you kind of lather, rinse, repeat? Uh, it's, it's something that that really worked. It was godly, and she responded well to it. Uh, let's get started on this one with uh, with you, Micah. Yeah, I think the advice, you know, you, you started off by saying take responsibility, take ownership. That's of what we've done, right? I think the same applies to what we should be doing. Um, 
you know, we talk about love and what is love. And I got a, I got a saying, it's not my own, I've borrowed it from someone else, but it's, you know, what is the opposite of love? And typically people typically say, Oh, you know, hate or, or disrespect or whatever. Say, no, no, no. The opposite of love is self, right? Cause anything that's pointing at me is not love for others. So when I start thinking about what can I do for her is anything that points toward her, you know? So when it, when it comes to the holidays, it might be all the things I don't like to do. It might be all the things that just don't matter to me. It might be the decorating. It might be the, the going certain places, going to see Christmas lights, going to see, you know, what, whatever that looks like, because those small things mean a lot. Um, and it, that feeds right back into the, I don't feel like doing those things today, but once I start doing them, those feelings change. And, and over the last few years, I've, I've now become the one that looks forward to what light displays are we going to see? What, what, what places are we going to visit? Where are we going? What neighborhoods are we going to travel through? He plans it all out. Yeah, because, and, and it's, you know, it's still somewhat selfish because I know how much she loves it, but that's the point. I'm going to do these things because the joy I get is from giving you that joy and that opportunity. So, you know, do the things that you don't want to do. You know, that's almost, that's almost a signal, right? When there's really something you're just like, I don't want to do that. That's probably what you should be doing. Yeah. Amen. I mean, in the early stages of recovery, there was a lady who was, you know, we were in a couple's group and there was a lady who said, why should we do anything that he wants to do right now because of how flawed his decision tree was leading up to this? And of course, initially I thought that's awfully it's awfully unkind of her to, to be that blunt and direct. And I realized just how, how wonderful that was, you know, clear being kind. And it, it's, it's kind of true. You know, men, if you find yourself right now thinking to yourself, there's a lot of stuff around the holidays I just flat out don't want to do. I'm not really interested in, in going to see Christmas lights 45 minutes away. Why, that, that's a recommendation that, that I think Micah just had loud and clear. Go, go do that. If she's remotely interested in it, it should fascinate the heck out of you. So, you know, let, let me help you out there, you know, brothers. So, Keith, what about you, man? What's some good advice you have for the fellas this, this holiday season? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, back to, back to kind of what I was saying a minute ago, it's just you need to be checking your heart. You know, it's not about your wife. It's about you. And I, like, like uh, uh, Christina mentioned earlier, every, people are in a lot of different places and it may not be fun. And you may not feel like your wife is treating you. They, she, maybe she's not recognizing whatever steps it is you think you're doing or, or whatever, but you know, it, it's not about you. Uh, well, and it's as much as that you've caused something to happen here, but uh, you know, kind of getting your fur up in a, up in a wad over how you're not getting treated right. Um, that, you know, you need to be tamping that down. If that's going through your mind, you're going to have to find somewhere. And, and what kind of Sarah's point, you, this is stuff you can't fight in your mind. You can't fight a thought with a thought. You have to fight a thought with saying something, saying something about who you are, who you, what your marriage is and what your marriage, maybe not what it is today, but what it's going to be. And, you know, we encourage people, you know, we encourage ourselves Find something in the word of God, a promise and speak that because there's a whole list of things running through your mind that you could say. And what tends to happen is we get in the heat of the emotion. We get in the heat of, I feel like I'm not getting treated right. And just this, you know, we just throw up out of our, our, our brains, what we're thinking, uh, put a pin in that and go to, you know, step back, slow it down and find something about what the word of God says about your marriage and what, what God says about your wife. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, and, and I absolutely want to hear from you too, Troy. Well, <clears throat> I think you guys have convinced me I need to play dominoes with my wife. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, that's something she loves to do. Uh, no, in seriousness, uh, I think one of the questions you asked Lamar is what would you do differently? Um, one of the things that I definitely would do differently is be more transparent with Tracy. Um, from the get-go, I was not honest with Tracy about my past. And, um, and so my advice would be just be, Tracy doesn't expect me to be perfect. Um, she just, she expects me to be honest with her and to be transparent. And so, um, 
you know, I, I would share, I, I want to share with her the things that I struggle with and the things that I'm hurting about. And, uh, and I have learned that uh, Tracy isn't going to run for me anymore. And so um, I don't fear that anymore. And so we are able to have open and honest dialogue with each other. And um, sometimes that's hard. Sometimes it's scary to share things that uh, maybe I'm not very proud of, or, but uh, it has led to a lot of healing and a lot of really good discussion between us. So just being able to be vulnerable, I think. All right, ladies, it is your turn. Tracy, we'll start with you. Uh, what can your husband do for you this holiday to create a gr greater connection uh, so that you would potentially want to be physical with him? We're gonna throw that in there for those people that are comfortable talking about sex. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's very easy because we're newlyweds, so <laughs> that makes it easy. But I, I just want to piggyback off what Troy just said. Um, we learned this term, I think it was in Stronger Together, and it's called HOT, which is honest, open, and transparent. Like, I, I don't need fluff. I don't want you to say, oh, everything is great. I really want to know what's going on. I need you to be honest, open, and transparent. And what happens is I had this, like, persona to him that like Tracy's everything is perfect in her life. And as his uh, life was crumbling and he was struggling in his addiction, he felt like he couldn't be honest and open and transparent because I mean, look at her life and look at my life. And so what happened is I was not creating a, an environment for him to feel safe. And so for me, it's been one of the things I really need to focus on is having those moments where he can be vulnerable. He feels safe. He doesn't feel like there's any kind of um, comparison. And I think in this holiday season, um, we are all busy. We are, you, you know, it. we've got this party and this party and this event and our calendars fill up incredibly in the month of December. And for us, and again, I mean, this had nothing to do with what was going on today. Last night, we just said, you know what, enough. Like, it's okay to say no. You don't have to go to every party. You don't have to accept every invitation. And let's look at the calendar and let's be intentional and spend, put it on the calendar. Let's go do this or do that. Let's go get a massage. Let's just do, you know, plan something. I think for us, whenever we finally, and you all probably feel this, when you have that day and you're like, oh my gosh, there's nothing going on tonight. Let's just sit on the couch and do nothing. And, and sometimes that can be intimate. Definitely that can create intimacy, but usually for, for me, cause I like, I just fall right to sleep. So there you go. Um, <laughs> we want to plan things. And, um, and that is the thing that um, he's going to do for me um, this holiday season. Obviously we have him on the hook. He, he's going to have to play dominoes at some point That's between great. now and, and January one. And again, it's just that time where we sit together and we're eye to eye and we're laughing and we're both competitive. And I just find like intimacy is created um, in those moments where you find something where it's just the two of you get mm. away from the family, get away from the kids, get away from work and just spend time together. Beautiful, Tracy. And Sarah, how about you, sweetie? I would say uh, the other night he planned. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm having trouble hearing you, Sarah. I said the other night he planned for us to go look at Christmas lights. Can you hear me now? Much better. And uh, our, our son hit our snowball mic, so we couldn't find it before this. <laughs> I don't know what he did with it, but I'm sorry about the sound. But anyway, he uh, put bikes together and stuff while I was gone to my workout. And uh, we went to through this beautiful neighborhood here in Houston and looked at Christmas lights. And, you know, when you're biking, uh, all you can do is look and you, you don't talk about really deep stuff. And I realized after betrayal, there's a lot of things that need to be discussed. But uh, Keith can tell you I'm big on discussion. I mean, you know, I, I've, I've done a lot of stuff in ministry and a counseling aspect and all of that. And it gets to a point where, you know, just shut up about it, Sarah. And what Keith did is he provided an atmosphere 
where I didn't feel like I had to fix anything. I didn't have to minister. I didn't, I just rode my bike, you know? And I think that I would say um, after betrayal issues and even the enemy coming against your mind about whatever, that uh, husbands and Keith continuing to create an atmosphere, it was simple, you know, it just wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a $500 date or anything, but it was so stress relieving to me because nothing was required of me at that moment. Nothing was required. And um, I know that may sound, sound kind of selfish, but I, that kind of space is simple and it's really healing. You don't have to discuss the tragedy, the fallout, the problems every moment. Just create activities to where you can connect together and stop talking about the stuff for a yeah. moment. Take a breather. I think that is very sage advice, Sarah, because I, I believe we need to have permission to have fun, especially following betrayal. Uh, and I've talked about this before as women, we feel like, well, if I laugh or if I have a good time, then he's going to think he's off the hook. No, it's exactly what you need for your heart and he needs it too. Sometimes you need to invest in the emotional bank accounts you both have because you've been withdrawing too much. There's nothing there. So you got to take a pause. You got to take a knee. You got to table the issues for a season. And what better season than the holidays to say, you know what? The issues aren't going anywhere. I know you're sober minded now. We can talk about the past and try to get those pieces. Let's, let's just take a knee and do that after the holidays. Let's just have fun. Let's have fun and give ourselves permission to have fun and to laugh with the kids or to be intimate and share time together. And then we'll come back and revisit. It's not a free pass. We're not brushing everything under the rug. We're not saying we're never going to revisit it again. That's not what I'm talking about. But sometimes we do need to take a knee from talking about the issues over and over and over again. Uh, and that might be a situation you find yourself in where you're talking in circles, you're not feeling intimate and connected with your spouse. God could be telling you it's all right to take a knee and then we'll come back and revisit it. And those things that seem huge to you might not be as big. All right, Kayla, how about you? This is the, this is the question that says, you know, what could Micah do to help you, you know, in terms of the, uh, the intimacy piece or what has he done to help you in terms of, of getting y'all into, into a deeper relationship there during the holidays? kind of already answered that you know just he puts me first you know and then I try to put him first in all that I do and with that you know I feel loved you know just those little things like with going and seeing Christmas lights um watching a Christmas movie with me but those things before early on in our relationship wasn't there and so those things now they mean so much to me and it makes me feel loved and when I feel loved then I'm going to be more prone to be intimate with him. When we feel disconnected and we're not on the same page, then I don't want to have sex with him. I don't, you know, that, I mean, that's just the way it is. And so um, we have learned, you know, like that communication and just talking about things and just really opening up and just being, you know, truthful of how we're feeling about stuff, you know, makes a huge difference. Cause when we are on the same page and we are together, even, you know, spiritually too, you know, the Lord like downpours to both of us and then, you know, we walk along together. And so that makes a huge difference, but those little things really is a huge thing for me because he takes, you know, he, you know, it's important, those little things, you know, and they might not seem important to other people, but to me, they are. And he realizes how important they are to me. Thank you, Kayla. Yeah. And it looks like we have a question, a few yeah. questions. Let's try to at least get a couple in. Yeah, before that, man, I just want to encourage you in this. You heard from the ladies, and I know these guys. We've done some Stronger Together work before. All three of these other guys in the meeting today, just listen to what their ladies had to say. And as students of their spouses, they are writing this stuff down on their Rolodex inside their heads about what to do and how to do this. And guys, it's a great opportunity. First off, you're blessed to even have um, your wife with you. And so it's a great opportunity for you not just take responsibility for what's happened, but also to take responsibility for the future and to, to make that a safe space for her to talk about some of this stuff and talk about some of these feelings and about what it is that, that she might need. 
And so with an understanding that it may not be all a positive, you know, rose kisses and puppies falling out of the sky. Okay, it's going to be tough stuff. So, all right. Yeah, thanks, Paul. That's a funny thing about a Rolodex, man. I didn't mean to age myself there. So, yeah. Isn't that a watch? (laughs) So Jessica writes in and says uh, she's feeling like she has to forgive the other women, but that it gets frustrating dealing with the repeated memories. It makes her feel angry toward those women, especially when she can see it affecting her parenting. And so I'm going to ask the men to take a step back. And ladies, you are wide open on this. And what is the question? Can you just. Uh, The question is, you know, it looks to be a forgiveness piece about the other women. I don't know if those are affairs or if they are the the ladies that are on the pages of magazines, et cetera. I I think one of the things that Lamar, you did for me, because I struggled the most uh, and and I I heard parenting with that. And that's where I kind of got thrown off a little bit. I struggled thinking about the other women when we were having sex and in and, and our in bed together that's when i would think oh am i attractive or am I as attractive as them are they more attractive I, I would, just all these horrible horrible thoughts went through my head i can't do what they did and is he even thinking about them or me and it wasn't and i struggled with these thoughts until lamar started doing like what sarah said keith did praying over my brain like literally before we went to bed at night not even i mean just going to sleep at night praying over my brain so I wouldn't have bad dreams, praying over my limbic system so I wouldn't be emotional um, um, going to bed or thinking about these women. It made the most incredible difference him praying over me um, because there is a part there that does have to heal. And if you're struggling in regards to parenting, it sounds like the anger is seeping in. And so there's there's some anger and you're taking it out on the kids. It's very, very, very natural. Give yourself grace during this season would be my advice. And, and it is hard and we know we're supposed to forgive, but it's not going to just happen overnight. It's an ongoing journey. And the fact that you're even talking about trying to forgive the women shows that you have an incredible heart and it's beautiful, but it does take time. Ladies, do you have anything that you'd want to add about that? I'll jump in. So I think it's just what you said. It's really hard at the beginning because the enemy is just in your head, filling your head with lies about these women. And these women, they may have, you know, been fully uh, understanding of who you are and as a spouse or a girlfriend and, and look the other way. And some of these women may not have even known about you. So I found for me, it was easy, easier to pray for them. The more I prayed for them, they became human to me. They became someone who maybe was hurt. I don't know what their childlike childhood was like. I don't know what, if they had been married before, if they had been abused, um, whatever. I started seeing them as almost like this child of God that they were hurt too. And as I began to pray for them, um, that anger and all of those lies started to fade away. And I will say that these women, their, their names are triggers for most of us. Um, and triggers will begin to slow down. Um, the, the best illustration, it's like a, um, a beach ball in a room and you hear their name and you think about them and that beach ball is flying around everywhere at the beginning. And then as you begin to heal, as you continue to pray, as you are, are drawing on God during this time, that inflatable beach ball gets a little smaller, a little deflated. And it, when you hear that name and you think of it's not bouncing on as many walls and eventually it's going to just start rolling on the ground. Mm-hmm. So again, I think Chrissy, you were spot on. Um, give yourself grace. It takes time. It takes healing. The um, These women that are in your head for this person who wrote in, it, it will. It will begin to fade. You may not forget, um, but the triggers won't be as harsh and um, as difficult. So um, pray for them, continue to lean on the Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Tracy. That was beautiful. Anybody else have anything they want to add to that? No, I think you said it well, Tracy. I mean, that that was absolutely very powerful. Praying for the other women is very, very difficult. Well, Lamar, you know, we, we come back to, you know, it all comes back around to what is the greatest takeaway here? And we're talking about circling back to that verse, uh, loving one another. The greatest command of all after loving God 
is loving one another. And, and that love is a verb. So how can we? I mean, men, I, I, I know you could be sitting there saying, okay, I know I'm supposed to do something, but what do I do? I'm not creative. I have no idea what I'm gonna do. Um, it's actually, we, we run into this all the time. We, we have men calling us and contacting us and they're completely at a loss. And they say, I want to help my wives, but I don't know what to do. And wives calling us and saying, I, I want to feel intimacy again with my husband. I can see he's trying and he's sober minded, but I just don't like him. And I'm, I'm fearful of being hurt. So we've been listening here and uh, we have a phenomenal team here and that has created something. Um, and it's a tool. It's actually called the marriage toolkit. And I want to show it to you because we just launched it this week and it's super, super cute. Oh, I, I hate to use the word cute, but um, it's this beautiful toolbox here. See, it's metal. And I love that we use the word toolbox, Lamar, because a toolbox is something you keep forever. You don't go out and buy a toolbox every season or toolbox this year and three years later get another one. I saw my grandfather's toolbox. And that's what I love that it's called a toolkit um, because uh, you pull out your toolkit if something is broken or if you want to build something new. And that's the beautiful thing about this marriage toolkit. It is loaded with fun, fun, fun activities and, and uh, journaling things you can do and conversation starters and games, so many fun games. And it's not just something where you're gonna open up this toolbox and a month from now you're gonna be done and well, where's toolkit number two? I mean, th this will keep you busy for years. I mean, just like a regular toolbox, there are things in here that you can use and then come back and revisit and use again. Uh, it's beautiful. I, I mean, it's absolutely beautiful. I keep pulling out pieces and looking at them, Chris and Maida and, and, and Tiana and, and just some other people here. And I'm just in awe of what the Holy Spirit did through them because there's so much stuff out there that I'm scared to buy for you, Lamar, because I've looked for intimacy building things. But I don't want kinky things. I don't want things that are going to remind me of strippers and prostitutes and stuff that is unhealthy. I, I'm sorry, just me really, y'all. Um, I, I want things that are still wholesome, but I also don't want to be prudish. I still want to have good sex. But what does good godly sex look like? And so this is this toolkit. I'm excited. I'm excited to hear. I'm excited you and I get to start um, playing some of these games and trying these things. So I'm going to highly encourage y'all. <laughs> Merry Christmas, babe. Shh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> but we're super excited to be able to provide this for you because we understand that uh, what it feels like to not know how do you make love a verb? Well, here is years and years and years worth of content to help keep things spicy and keep that fire alive in the marriage. So you ready for this? Uh, uh, yes, I am ready. Uh, a short answer there. He's flushing. So I'll, I'll yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll save the longer answer for later uh, when we're not on screen here. So um, I did want to get to, I think we have one more question left. We've got a little bit of time and I, and I want to, to really respect this because I think it's, it's, it's kind of the, the big elephant in the room. Um, and somebody sends a question that says, what leads to relapse? And, and the person goes on a little bit, and it's a lady. She says, I am so concerned about relapse because for six years, apparently, she really had no idea what he was doing. Yeah. Um, and so I, I love to answer this with a, a, a pretty short answer, and I don't mean to be glib about it all, but you will not big R relapse, meaning you will not betray your marital vows again, unless you have a series of little R relapses. Mm. And those are those small decisions along the way. Those, those, those white lies that start out as, as almost clear lies, and then they become a little bit more opaque, a little bit more, you can't even see through them. And then all of a sudden they're white lies. And then before you know it, if you're lying big or you're lying little, then you're lying big. And those are all little R relapses not being exactly where you said you were going to be at, the, at that time. You might not, and the little R relapse, that means you, you might just be at work, literally at work, and you say, uh, no, I'm on my way home. Well, there's nothing nefarious. You're not even with an affair partner, but you lied. And the lie, lies were all wrapped up in your sin. So that is a little R relapse. Even though you're not acting out and having an affair, you're, lying is a little R relapse. 
Or maybe you can't drink alcohol because that leads to poor decisions. Well, alcohol in and of itself isn't, might not be a relapse to your recovery, but it is a little R relapse because it could lead you down that road. So having a plan is what helped me. When you had a relapse prevention plan, Lamar, you gifted that to me. And that was the sweetest gift. And so um, I believe it was Katie asking this question. Katie, if your husband hasn't gifted you with a relapse prevention plan, uh, it is incredible, incredible, important for your healing to be able to be given this plan of, hey, honey, this is what I'm doing, uh, not just to protect me, but to protect the us and to protect you. And what can I add to this plan? What else can I do to make you feel safe? Because I want to gift this to you. I don't want you feeling like you have to be my babysitter. I say that all the time. There's nothing sexy about going to bed with someone you're babysitting. So what, what kind of plan do you have? Are, are you just using hope as a method that you aren't going to look at porn or go down that street where the prostitute or whatever it is? Hope as a method is not going to work. What strategic plan do you have in place um, to, to guard yourself? And that takes some humility and wives need to see that humility. Wives need to say, I struggle being on the computer in a room by myself, and I shouldn't. I mean, that's vulnerable sharing that. And that, that is what's needed to help a wife heal, is to be able to, the husband, to express those vulnerabilities. Um, does anybody else have anything they want to add on the panel about uh, relapse? I just want to say to one of to me one of the things that I think promoted relapse in Keith is not my fault, but the enemy using accusing things, bringing in guilt, bringing in shame, bringing in condemnation, and recognizing that as his wife that um, okay when we talk about this I'm going to have to really pray up about it lace it with the word. He is responsible if he relapses or not. That's on him. He's responsible if he lies about like the example you gave, you know, you can't identify with the father of lies and not relapse. You can't do that. That's a truth. But being very, I guess the best word is the being, being very sensitive. And, and yes, he's taking responsibility. Yes, he's doing what he's supposed to but I'm going to be sensitive to the way I word things. I'm going to be sensitive by the Holy Spirit to what my husband's needs are in prayer. And I'm going to cover him in prayer and watch my words so that I'm not triggering him to go down that path. And, and yeah, maybe he'll win that battle, but, but I, I don't need to set my husband up for war. Mm -hmm. I, I need to be shoulder to shoulder with him in combat and go, Hey, did you see that enemy over there? That's an accusing thought. We mm. had a situation yesterday uh, where there was an accusing thoughts that were coming at him about being a good father with some relationships and some stuff with, with one of our older children. They weren't being hateful to us, but they were, they were asking for something, doing stuff in a way that would trigger Keith. Mm. And, and I just went after it in the spirit. I'm like, you lion devil, take your hands off of his mind. He is my covenant husband. He is a child of the most high God. He is seated with Christ in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, and might, and dominion. And I thank you, Father, that he has the mind of Christ. He is named from Father God. Before his last name was Hogden, his name was Jehovah Almighty Son. And mm -hmm. just covering your husband with that is so important. Amen and amen. I, I can't agree with you more, Sarah. That is beautiful. Um, for the most part, a lot of uh, men here have seen Conquer series, and so they've learned about addiction, what it does to the brain, how it rewires, the importance of sobriety. They've learned all those things. But if you stop there, you've short sold yourself and your recovery process, especially your wife's. And, and so if you are looking to, well, how do I come up with a relapse prevention plan? How do I help my wife? You, you got to keep going on in the series. You have to look at Warpath. Warpath is just filled with incredible information that Doug Weiss teaches men how to come up with a relapse prevention plan, how to help your wife, how to provide these safeguards. So you have that picture, Sarah, like you said, that you two are side by side 
going to battle with with the enemy at you know back to back battle with the enemy as opposed to to wielding your swords on each other and killing each other in the process of recovery yeah, yeah I, I just want to say for the uninitiated out there we, we've tossed around a lot of terms today from stronger together to dr weiss uh warpath these can all be found on soulrefiner.com that's where the marriage toolkit lives as well you can mm -hmm. you can find all these studies these courses right there um if you have any questions at all, please put them in the chat. We're gonna we're able to capture the chat archives on this end, and then we're able to to answer some of those questions. And so don't don't feel like uh, if you forgot something that you you can't ask it at this point. We are gonna go ahead and close up the formal piece of the meeting, um, but I do want you to to know that the chats are paid attention to. We do get back to people. We do answer the questions. Um, thank everybody so much for your attendance, especially thank you to our couples uh, that, that join me and Christina, Troy and Tracy, uh, Keith and Sarah and Micah and Kayla. Thank y'all all just so much for your, your words of wisdom, for being vulnerable, Yes. Uh, for saying this is, this is not my story anymore. It, it's, it's his. It's over to him now. Mm. And if it helps one person take one step closer to a relationship with Christ, then, then we're going to do it. Yeah, it takes courage takes courage to be here and the obedience that you're demonstrating by listening to God um, guiding you to participate in us. I just pray for blessings upon blessings upon your marriages um, and everybody in the audience too, uh, to take, you know, taking the time to listen and to be here. That shows intentionality. It shows that you care about your marriage or your future marriage or your broken marriage so you don't repeat history um, in your next marriage, whatever that looks like. Uh, it's beautiful having you here. Community is so, so important and we treasure this and we value this. I believe those are the two main ingredients to recovery. God, most and foremost, keeping God in the center of everything we do. But I think the gift that God gives us when we turn to them are brothers and sisters around us. And so you guys are a gift to us. We thank you for your support that we've been given all through the year. And we are super excited to see what God does. Um, and Soul Refiner and all of your marriages for the up year to come. So we look forward to seeing you in January and who knows what that looks like. So stay tuned. We're always changing things up. You just never know. Before I close out with our, our formal prayer time, I will leave out the part where I'm going to ask God to help Navy beat Army tomorrow. Oh, dear so, goodness. You had to get it yeah, in. I, I thought I, we were going to make it all the way through without him doing no, that. Sorry. So, All right. Lord, thank you so much for today, God. Thank you for these men and women, uh, not just on the panel, but also in the audience um, that are showing that level of surrender to you where we say, okay, Lord, um, we tried it collectively. And even for the, the people that were betrayed here, for them to have that humility to say, okay, I still need to talk about this. It's not just my unfaithful spouse's problem. It's, it's, it's mine too. Um, so Lord, we thank you for that surrender. We thank you for this last hour where we're able to talk about things really where we can't go anywhere else and, and discuss openly. And so, Lord, thank you for this community. Uh, thank you for these folks that are willing to have these discussions. Um, Lord, thank you for your son and what he did on that cross those years ago in spite of, of knowing what we were going to do as, as sinners. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas, babe. Love you. Love you all. Take care. Bye-bye. See you, team. <laughs>